0: everybody. Welcome to Film Buffing Up, where two casual but slightly clean filmgoers will watch through the American Film Institute's 100 films for 100 years. We have breached past the 10s uh, or the, the 90s, I should say. We are now deep in the 80s on our journey to up our game in film snobbery. Uh, As always, I am Mike, and with me is Jen. I don't know why I am always Mike. I mean, I guess I could be somebody else if I wanted to. I
1: mean, you could (laughs) if you wanted to.
0: So, Jen, what are we watching today?
1: Uh, I I have preconceived notions. This
0: is is not the Christopher Walken movie.
1: No, it's Willem Dafoe.
0: Which is... It's
1: called Platoon.
0: Platoon. Let's, Let's... Non-Tiger-Blooded...
1: Non-Tiger-Blood Sheen.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Charlie Sheen. Not Martin Sheen.
1: Willem Dafoe.
0: Yep. It's
1: directed by Oliver Stone. Okay. I hear he directs good things. Did uh, JFK. But also, my general impression is that this is a Vietnam in the trenches.
0: I I believe so. Yeah.
1: And um, that is so not my jam. Is it just
0: because it reminds you of Apocalypse Now?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this, I hate Apocalypse Now, yeah. which I think we're also going to have to watch. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure it is. And,
1: like, my hatred of Apocalypse Now is based in the heart of darkness. Right. And I know that that's no reason to hate on the Vietnam War. <laughs> but I'm a girl.
0: Big big fan of the Vietnam War. V- there there v- a fan. lot of big fans of Vietnam?
1: There's a lot. I'm sure there are people. But, like, so I'm a girl. I don't really <laughs> like war movies. Sure. I mean, there are some obvious exceptions. Mm -hmm. I can't think of any right now.
0: Uh, Saving Private Ryan. You should never see it.
1: I've never seen it, and I'm afraid it's on this list. list. Yeah.
0: It's really good.
1: I'm given to understand about that one that that's a really long one, and there's something about a legality that I don't know if it's actually a real law that, like if someone yep. has lost multiple sons and there's only one left they'll bring him home yeah
0: yeah so like i don't know which if which is it, not this one <laughs> yeah no i don't know if it's 100% true but it's like um the idea is that if there's only one person of a line left they would get rid... they would See, like it feels like back.
1: something our government doesn't care I, about i don't
0: i don't know if it was a real thing or not well if it, theoretically it was cuz it's based on a true story so
1: are they American forces in that movie? Yes. I don't think America ever cared about that.
0: I don't know. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. We'll do some research and we get to this it. This is a
1: different story this entirely. This is a different so movie. This one, it says, it says... Force
0: Whitaker's in it.
1: A young soldier in Vietnam faces a moral crisis mm-hmm. when confronted with the horrors of uh, war and mm-hmm. the duality of man. That just makes it sound all the more like it's literally just apocalypse now. Yeah, I, I I know shit and I can't. I never mm-hmm.
0: saw this and it feels weird because I've seen other Oliver Stone films and generally enjoyed them. Like I'm a big fan of JFK even though it's a little long.
1: See, I thought you were going to bring up again cuz I remember you saying that you constantly get this confused with something else, and you're like, Charlie Sheen's in both of them. Yes. And I feel like what you mean is well, he, he's Top in- Gun and Hot Shots.
0: No, no, Hot Shots.
1: Hot Shots is a goof of Top Gun. No, it's not. Be a goof of this.
0: Hot Shots is a 1991 naval comedy film directed by Jim Abrams, uh, who also did Airplane. It has Charlie Sheen in it. And it's a, well, no, 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 I know It, Charlie is, a, it is a parody of... It is specifically it's part due. Charlie Sheen's in it. It is a Top Gun parody. Okay. But there's an entire sequence that, that ribs platoon, platoon okay. including him with an arrow like Rambo Okay. with a chicken atta- with dynamite stuck up its ass that it shoots. It's really weird, but it is in fact a Top Gun parody, okay. but it has a major has segment a scene that has where he's replaced. Okay. So in my head it just it's completely Lost in what this film okay. is or not.
1: Um, I like. I, I think I like sort of Full Metal Jacket, uh,
0: which is also on this is list.
1: Technically a yeah. war movie. So
0: I mean, we'll we we'll have to see what where this comes out. I so I mean, looking at this is has very high ratings. In terms, Rambo's of...
1: Rambo's not technically a war movie because that's a well, which, well, it war on which one veteran movie it depends on
0: which movie to. I mean, hot take, Rambo hot takes. This is the new Rambo hot take segment of film buffing up. But to me, there's only one Rambo film, and it's the first one.
1: Yeah, but that's also not a war movie. It's after he came back, right? right? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, Rambo's not a war movie. It's after he came back. It's a war veteran movie. To
0: me, the rest of the films (laughs) betray what the point of the Rambo movie First Blood was, which was you saw a man who was broken from war, struggling to adapt to society that takes a crisis and takes a injustice and treats it as though he is still in the war. Like, how would he handle the situation as a soldier, right? Because it's like, that's the one with the, the like, the kind of corrupt police force and yeah, he yeah. gets in a fight, Mert accidentally kills a guy and then the whole situation. So... The rest of them are like, "Oh, Rambo's such a badass" because he was originally supposed to die. Man, we're going to really ramble about this, but we're going to st- we're going to have a Rambo minute here. So, Rambo was originally are you supposed to cut
1: it down to exactly one minute. No, since the Rambo
0: minute. Uh, no, I'm going to count in my head. Uh, so, Rambo in his. Um, In in the book that it's based off of, and I think in the original screenplay, dies at the end of First Blood. Which makes sense. It's a tragic end, which makes a lot of sense. In the movie they changed it because the audience was too upset with the ending. So when they film tested it, right? So it left it open that he got to be this badass murderer, all these corrupt cops, all these corrupt everybody in the town, and kind of wander off to the sunset, right? But it was still a story about, like, a man broken having never been the same after war. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the sequels. Nope. So.
1: I saw the first one. And, and it's, well good. it's good. It's yeah. good. So
0: the rest of them were like. Uh, remember how they brought his general in to, mm-hmm. to bring him back? To yeah. try to calm him down. Talk him down. John, John, you know. He'll listen to you. You'll li- so he You're his your
1: superior officer.
0: He comes back and he's like, oh man, remember that stuff that was crazy? And he's still on a run and he was like, we'll cut your slate clean. But we need you back We need you back in action In in Laos Because Vietnam's so fucked And so they go back And then he becomes a hardcore action hero Where he's like single-handedly taking down Hundreds of Vietnam soldiers and shit Sylvester Stallone is Rambo,
1: right? Yep okay. Sylvester Stallone is also Rocky, right? Yep He's the one who, or I don't know that he wrote Rocky, but like he's the one who yeah, made Rocky a yeah. big thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Who made Rambo a big thing? Like, is, it, uh-huh. is, it, like, is he the one who asked for more because he was like, oh, no I'm, idea. Bum- I, I'm bulky. I, I, I want to be in people's homes.
0: I can't speak of it, but by the end of the saga, he's an old man in a boat murdering hundreds of people. Yeah,
1: no, I'm okay. I don't want that.
0: Like it's crazy, and it all went from like this really kind of small story about a broken Vietnam veteran,
1: which like, is acceptable. It's good.
0: It's to it, bombastic action, and it's the craziest thing.
1: I thought of two more war movies I like.
0: That was the Rambo minute,
1: and I think both of the war movies that I like, the war that is in them, is Vietnam. Are you ready? Okay, you ready? Okay, you can argue later that oh, they're not no. actually war movies. Oh no, Far Scope.
0: Has Vietnam in it. Has some war in it. I wouldn't necessarily call it a war movie, but there are segments of it.
1: There are segments of them in the sure. bush also, in Vietnam.
0: Also in in the AFI list, I believe. Yeah, it's a good movie.
1: Um, um, what was the other one? Because I had it in my head and I was like, I'm gonna say it and Okay. Also I'm st- you're going to use the same argument that it's not technically a war movie, mm-hmm. but there is definitively the main characters are at war in Vietnam, and the war is a big point in this movie. Uh-huh. The Watchmen.
0: Not a war movie. So, so <sighs> what I'm hearing from you is that? Are if you? This, wait, are
1: you saying the comedian killing all of those Vietnam Vietnamese women in that town is yeah, not it, like a it, big? It has to be. This is what our men did in Vietnam.
0: It has to like the, a, for it to be like a war movie, and it has to be a central focus of the entire story. Okay. Like
1: Captain America.
0: First one is technically a war movie. Yes, I suppose so. I don't
1: know that I actually like that one though. <laughs> it's
0: the worst one. Um, I
1: like Watchmen and Forrest Gump. I uh, I'm, I was thinking about it. Okay, all right.
0: So if if there is if this movie is even remotely high on your list uh-huh. at all, you're saying that that might be a huge credit for it because it's a genre that you have very little sensibilities yeah, are? Yeah,
1: like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like it.
0: Right. I think you'll like Saving Private Ryan. You saw, I think I made you watch Band of Brothers. Uh, the HBO sort of I feel saving- like it
1: was a mini series, mm-hmm. and we didn't watch the entire thing. Mm-hmm. We just watched... A little bit of it. Like, a third to a half, yeah. maybe.
0: So, so... Yeah. yeah, I can't think of much, many war movies that you may have seen. Um...
1: I mean, I've seen the Star Wars.
0: The ultimate war movie. It's technically a war movie. It takes place entirely in a war.
1: I, I have seen the Star Wars. Okay,
0: so we will. How enjoyable. <laughs> we will uh, go ahead and watch Platoon and see how we feel about it. I've never watched it. You are probably predisposed against it. I so, am
1: predisposed against it. Um,
0: and you're you're gonna be mostly fighting, trying to make it not apocalypse now in your head.
1: Uh huh yeah
0: so so we will see
1: especially because it's about the duality it's, of man it's a got man a, is confronted with the moral his morals when faced with the horrors of war and the duality it's got of a banging
0: cast of Tom Berenger Will Defoe Charlie Sheen like, we're we're there, you know? Um, only $6 million budget, and it made $138 million. I mean, so, that's,
1: that's a good profit margin.
0: That's a good profit margin. Usually a good sign that people liked it. It is also in the National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant.
1: Is that the line for everything in the National Film yes. Registry, by the way? Like, they don't, like do, <sighs> is anything just culturally significant, but no. not?
0: It also has Johnny Depp.
1: In it it no, must be a very
0: young Johnny Depp. It also has got my my man Keith David.
1: Uh, yeah, Keith David is your man. Uh, what year did um Nightmare on Elm Street come out? I have no idea. That was Johnny Depp's first movie. So if this is before this is eighty six,
0: so I think it's after that. Okay, because I think I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street was like eighty four or eighty five. Okay, so. So it would be a very young Johnny Depp. It would be like 18, 19-year-old Yeah, Johnny yeah.
1: He was, he was a teenager when he showed up. So I he might be like Alms 20 Street, here. Right well, well
0: <sighs> Yeah. Anyway. Catch you guys on the flip.
1: I know you're used to Lucy, but I run. Dagger's for you. Dagger's for you. I know you're used to Lucy, but I run. Go pop some neurons. I know you're used to Lucy. din a din and we're back Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, we just watched two hours of Charlie Sheen, a slice in the life of him Vietnam. in the trenches in so, Vietnam.
0: So, this movie was written and directed by Oliver Stone.
1: Okay, well, before we get to that, we'll get to that. Okay. Before we get to that.
0: I was going to say, I have some concerns no, about no. his writing direction. No,
1: we're going to get to that. Okay. <sighs> Shush. That'll come. Okay. We're going to start with just glossing over one or two things yep. from earlier. Sure. Uh, so, one, was not as bad as Apocalypse Now.
0: Whoa. All right.
1: Um, As much as... And I had seen, I think... It
0: goes to similar dark places. It goes which to similar is, dark
1: places. Um, I... Ha- I'm fairly certain I have seen Apocalypse Now before. In my head, I didn't remember that it was Father Sheen mm-hmm. in that. Yes, it is. So it's, dad, it's Daddy Sheen in Apocalypse Now. So are you saying, that, is, this, is
0: this is Platoon baby Apocalypse Now? Baby
1: Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. um, a, I don't know how believable IMDb trivia is, mm-hmm. but a comment on it was that when they first did auditions for it, mm-hmm. they thought Charlie Sheen was too young.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so they offered the role to Emilio Estevez.
0: Just hit. Hmm.
1: But then the financial backing of that particular set had fallen through and it didn't actually get to start filming until two years later. And right. at that point, Sheen was older. Old
0: enough for That would make it more could sense. do Charlie. I mean, um, Sheen is very young here.
1: But there was also in that, so like Johnny Depp is in this, and you mentioned it mm-hmm. earlier. Johnny Depp is even younger than Charlie Sheen yeah. in this. And um, Oliver Stone was like, I would have loved to have put Johnny Depp as the main role in it, because he is going to be a huge star. Mm-hmm. But he is way too young for this role. Right. <laughs> Which, like, even Sheen is still kind of too young And I'm like, Sheen's
0: character is like 20 maybe? I mean, like, you, you like get that. the young nineteen twenty,
1: Young, idealistic didn't think about the consequences of his actions. Right. Was just, like, dropped out of college because I wasn't learning anything anyway.
0: I'm gonna go here. i gonna fight this Figure crusade. I'm gonna go fight this. It's kind of Got a, like a Don Quixote complex. Yeah. So if he's gonna come in and save everything. <laughs> yeah. um, um, best role I think I've seen him in.
1: It's good. Like he's um, great in it. So the while one of his superior officers is slightly insane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not as bad as in the apocalypse. Now like, that sheer the, insanity. The one has right. just like completely lost himself. Well,
0: I, so I mean, we'll go through the the brief plot. Right. Well, was that we'll,
1: was that not the plot? A day in the life.
0: Well, I mean, I, yeah, we'll go through the okay. brief plot. There's really not that much so, to talk about because so, it's more of a character piece, yeah. right?
1: So I'm gonna read this thing off just because th- this is um, this is good enough to actually be the what the plot or er, the uh, synopsis. blurb synopsis. Yeah. Chris arrived in Vietnam sometime in September of 1967 mm-hmm. and left in early January 1968. The movie shows three short time periods in that span, his first week when he doesn't know anything and gets wounded in his first combat action, when he returns three weeks later and bonds with many of the guys at a party at base camp, New Year's Day 1968 when they destroy the village, are ambushed the next day, have the climactic battle the next day, and then evacuated the day after, meaning at most 12 days of his roughly 100 days there are shown in the movie.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. The jurors, a very short period of time yeah. that we're seeing. So
1: that's a full-on synopsis of everything that happens, except the before Mike gets into the symbolism of it. There are two superior officers, mm-hmm. one played by Tom Berenger, yep. who is, I guess at that time, more often played, like, Good guy. I
0: only know him as bad guy, so I'm not shocked that he's the bad guy so here. So
1: at the time, to- at the time that he this was casted, he apparently had been playing like good guys right. in whatever TV shows he was in, and he is the commanding officer who is a bad lieutenant. Uh, yeah, and Willem Dafoe, who is iconically the evil motherfucker,
0: is the good guy. Is
1: the good guy who's protecting his underlings, right? And they uh, and
0: both of them steal the show.
1: And both of them steal; they are um, really good supporting actors. Like,
0: like it's to the point where both of them were nominated but did not win the Who best won? supporting actors. I don't know. We should look that up.
1: You should look that up.
0: Okay, you keep on talking. To them.
1: Yeah, while you look that up? So his um, voiceover narration at the end is saying that like he feels like they were both his father. <laughs> like he he is he, a he, child was birthed of the, he was birth of those and, two different fathers. And there's
0: definitely a a element going on of Yeah, we're going to get back that. to
1: your symbolism later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how, how much we're going to get into that, yeah. but
1: Um I know before before you finish off who won the award that year. Mm-hmm. I know that the three top grossing movies of that year. So this came in third in is it 1986. The two movies that beat it out money wise Mm -hmm. I have to keep mentioning that it's money wise that they beat it out not as just being better movies because number one that year was Top Gun Mm -hmm. number two that year was Crocodile Dundee
0: (laughs) the uh, the winner's are interesting um uh-huh. well actually wait a second what year was this looking in at the
1: long, wrong year
0: i am looking at the wrong so
1: year. okay so it, it's it 1986 1980- which means it was the 1987 yeah. academy awards yep. that's right? why i always have trouble with those <laughs>
0: yeah i always forget that too um but they are great in this overall great. uh definitely in terms of of acting, they steal the show. Like, but Charlie Sheen's no slouch in this. I, I, like, I'm really shocked. Like that, like really great, like but subtle character acting. Like he's not really playing a character, but like you know, in terms of like he's playing kind he's, of an idolized really version a, of himself.
1: He's an idol, yeah, or,
0: or technically more. Um, Oliver, Stone. Oliver Stone. Which, again, once we get into maybe some of the specifics of the story, makes me really concerned yeah, on no, how autobiographical this story yeah, is. Yeah, no, no, no,
1: we're going uh. to get to Um... So we said Oliver Stone wrote wrote this. He wrote the first draft quickly after his return from action, and it was partly to counter the John Wayne's Green like Berets. Like the propaganda movie, yeah. The propaganda yeah. movie.
0: Um, um, and Michael Caine apparently- won in oh, Hannah and Her Sisters.
1: I've never seen Hannah and but Her, I Her could Sisters, see it. but I could see Michael kane But,
0: but um, Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger were both nominated separately for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, no, they so, were both So great. two of them equally got in from one movie, which yeah. is n- not very common from what not, I've ever seen. Like yeah. Usually they tend to pick... You like, don't see uh, it very often, yeah. no. Um But they play such pivotal like foils to each other it's in the story. Good.
1: It's good. Um, yeah. that's acceptable. Um, okay, so what did I say? I mentioned that um, they had a military tech advisor mm-hmm. on hand, and at the beginning of the movie, Mike's like, "I mean, I don't want to, yeah, pick strings with their military well, tech it's, it's advisor this guy
0: to do that." Early. <laughs> um I mean, it still it didn't have that. So, you know, we we kind of went over to brief on. On what it's about, right? And there's really not that much more to it other than the idea that there's a conflict of of ideologies, yes. let's say, that happens during the story. And Charlie Sheen's character, Chris, yes. is—I never remember characters that name, so I always have to ask—is is sort of at a at central focus of this. Is he's kind of getting not pulled by either side, because it sounds like one side wants him— like both sides want him. Only one side is willing to take him in as the FNG, the fucking new guy, right? Which is Willem Dafoe, his character, and the other one is this kind of grizzled, nasty sergeant who doesn't give a shit about anybody.
1: He might give a shit about. He
0: didn't give a shit himself. about his colonel, his uh, his or his uh, uh. It wasn't a colonel, but corporal, is uh, played by the guy that plays Dr. Cox in Scrubs. Yeah. When you think that that's his guy. Yeah, they right? seem pretty tight. And he's like, oh, fuck you. So, like, there's a sort of... You, you see, obviously, Chris and the younger platoon, like, on their squad the, of young squad members come in. Come into uh, Willem Dafoe's camp.
1: Yeah, so there's... Um, they drop down... To start their one year, because mm-hmm. apparently it was always one year. Mm-hmm. It's just your three three sixty five and wake up is like the the phrase mm-hmm. apparently because on your day three sixty five you get to go home. Uh, so it starts with them dropping in, and they all look young and idealistic youth, caring and too much stuff. Coming. And- um, it's kind of sepia toned at the beginning, mm-hmm. or okay, it's not. It is not sepia toned, but it feels like it's sepia toned. Because the uh, heli that is dropping them is blowing up so much dust Mm -hmm. that, like, it's just the whole screen is slightly yellow. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And there's, like, you're watching some people leaving at that time. And then they come in. And then there is the uh, hike down to the base camp. Yep. And that's when, like... Uh, Chris trips and falls because he's carrying too much and, like, Willem Dafoe comes over. Pulling all this like, shit
0: out. Like, you don't need this. You don't need, need that. <laughs> um, so, like, there's this tension between these two groups. And that's sort of the core of the story where, um, you know, Chris is under the guidance of the uh, Willem Dafoe's sergeant and his his squad. And they are... Like accepting of each other and kinda of holding on to their humanity. So I'm trying to get through this this okay. plot here. So the they're they're kind of like holding on to their humanity a little bit, right? They're they're like nice to each other and this and that. And then Tom Beringer's group is like all the grizzled guys. Right? So almost all of Will and Defoe's group are all pretty much new mm-hmm. or, or relatively new. Um And the core of the story is this sort of uh, shift in dynamics between them where they're trying, both squads are are all part of a platoon platoon and trying to work with each other. And Behringer and Defoe don't see eye to eye. And at one point they are in a village. And in the village, um, basically, Behringer's group kind of goes out of control and start to slaughter people right to try to get information um and defoe basically makes an idle threat that's like this is not gonna is not gonna let this happen you know this kind of thing um and they come into conflict and eventually and the very ineffective lieutenant that's in charge of the entire platoons. like i didn't see nothing, nothing nothing happened you know he's just trying to keep things together so the core conflict then becomes uh behringer is looking to try to find a way to get rid of Defoe, so he can't say anything Right. And he manages to actually kill the foe in combat. So no one would know. Um, But Chris, played by uh, uh, Charlie Sheen, is like sees it in his eyes that Behringer killed the foe and basically like his father figure there um and it sets up the kind of course of actions of him trying to figure out like how to get rid of Barringer and where that that conflict is and there's sort of a character shift there until ultimately they are all put into this real bad situation that basically they are put into a meat grinder in front of an entire enemy squad um and some of them survive and some of them don't and eventually Chris is left um alone with Behringer, Behringer kind of attacks him, but it seems like it's accidental, right? Would you think so? Uh, like, I don't know if he deliberately knew it was him, or it just was a reflex.
1: I think he was in Berserker mode.
0: Yeah, that's what I think. Like, I don't think he deliberately... I don't think he would have cared if he did it, but yeah. I don't think he was. But eventually they both get knocked out instead of getting attacked because of a bombing raid, and when he wakes up, he finds Berenger injured, um, and he grabs an AK-47 from one of the Viet Cong, um, And Berenger kind of eggs him on like he did earlier of like, do it, you know, you can't. And he just shoots him and kills him. So like, it's kind of like you get this path of Chris from being very innocent, right, to dipping and idealistic and dipping through the emotions and kind of coming through the journey and the struggles to how to, how can he maintain himself through this, right? And we see his failures, like there's points where he kind of goes nuts, Like, at one point, he was, like, shooting at someone's feet, one of the um, Vietnamese citizens' feet. Like, he didn't kill him, but, like, he was taunting—like, he was letting out aggression, Yeah, right? It definitely was, like, a failing moment for him. Um, But eventually, he kind of regains some of that sort of moral standing, but then kind of goes on this quest for vengeance, and actually kind of loses himself by kind of killing Barringer. And it's like, at the end, he's like, this is like I'm the— the son of two fathers kind of situation where both of these people by the time he's done had such an impact on his life, both good and bad that like, he is now a different person for better or worse through this situation and that he's got to live his life with kind of like these two regrets Mm -hmm. that one, he couldn't one that he killed this person and he has to live with the fact that he murdered somebody. Right. Even if they deserved it. And two, he kind of that regret of like, he he had an opportunity to potentially save his commander and sort of his, his the good father right but he instead left him for dead he didn't know that he was still alive but he he was told that he was dead and he, you could see like a struggle and so you had that kind of interesting balance of like the failures of a person and how those failures in two different ways in two different directions kind of impact a person forever um which i thought was really fascinating but that's kind of like the core meat of the story. The rest of it's all just character interactions and interesting dynamics between different characters. And god damn, there's so many people in this movie.
1: There's a lot of so. people in this movie. Um, only one that we've already seen so far on the AFI mm-hmm. was um, Richard Edson mm-hmm. uh, is the name of the actor that is um, one of the sons from Do the, Do right, the right Thing.
0: thing. Uh, the guy, Not
1: Serturo, t- The other one.
0: Right. The, the guy that's in uh, Super Mario Bros. movie.
1: Yes, that is apparently yep. the same actor. Yep.
0: That, that's all that really matters. So. All that really,
1: that's all that really um,
0: matters. Like, I won't get into my weird over analyzing the film. Um, no,
1: you were so excited. I wasn't excited. You weird overanalyzing of the film. You,
0: you always just think I'm a crazy person whenever I do it.
1: No, I mean you—you you found someone else who thinks that. I'm sure there are colleges somewhere that have a class where <laughs> they, they watch this movie and take it apart in that way.
0: I mean, it—it it definitely has. That, so, so what, she, what she's alluding to is that, that I felt like there were like overt homoerotic overtones to the story, specifically like. Maybe not. I shouldn't say necessarily homoerotic. There are homoerotic elements to the story, like specifically Willem Dafoe with a creep with the creepiest smile ever. Which, to be fair, That's just is just Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe's smile. Um, expels like exhales pot smoke through the loading chamber of a shotgun and makes and makes uh, Charlie uh, Charlie Sheen's character basically suck on. Uh, his knob at the end of the the gun as he blows the smoke in, right? So like it's like a very like phallic weird moment, but it's, so, it's supposed to be kind of like a moment where it shows all of this group and they're like partying, and they're dancing together, and they like are retaining their sense of like themselves and they don't care what anyone else thinks about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could also probably look at it as sort of like a. Um, like a passing of the generations, if you don't want to necessarily go with like like overt sexual overtones, so I think mm. that moment was very sexualized um and I think there's probably more to the writing of those two characters of maybe less fatherly but more like Greek Greek mentorship Greek where there is you know what I mean like an ancient Greek where there was like a um a Not just a emotional bond between the two of them growing, but maybe even a physical bond. Okay, right? Uh, You definitely kind of get those overtones between the two of them, and the way like Wilnafau like smiles and waves at him in this sort of rough setting. There's like a a sense of affection that's special that's oriented towards Chris. Chris doesn't have family. He doesn't have a woman back home. Um, And usually, those type of things were kind of Especially in the 60s, but also even in the 80s during writing, were sort of thinly veiled like allusions to character development because he didn't run outright say something. Okay. So, like, having him not have a woman back home could just be like that he doesn't have any grounding to reality to life back there, mm-hmm. but also can be an allusion to him maybe masking who he is. Or still developing an understanding of who he is, okay. Right, so like he doesn't have a woman back home because he's not attracted to women, but he doesn't can't say that to a bunch of men in the army in the '60s. And okay. he don't. He might even rationalize that problem yet. He might just know that he's like, I can't keep a relationship. I don't have these other problems or something like that. And then in walt's this enigmatic father figure that has some of the same. You know things with him, and they form a bond, a connection, right? Uh, you could also look at the the symbolism between the two groups as not just maybe a, a sexual identity issue, though I think that there's still a thing between the two of them. But I think there's a definite, um, like not, not like an allegory, but like there's definitely hints of an allusion to the two. The two groups in the platoon as being representative of like, like old generation and new generation, and like like you had mentioned that like Tom Berenger is shitting on them at one point about smoking pot while chugging back a Jack Daniels, yes, bottle, and it's like that's very like old school Greatest Generation and before yeah. versus the new school where like you have the new male versus the old male and like one group represents like hyper masculinity and the the downfalls of that right of like the aggression and they're like raping people and shit it's a sort of like the we're here because we can do whatever the fuck we want and then you have this more kind of newer male like emotionally resonant male that are maybe too soft to be in that environment and are probably the most at risk from losing themselves which is why they're like emotional wrecks mm-hmm. um but have like a sense of empathy that they're, they're they've lost and it's sort of like a, almost like a divide between the two of them that you almost see the same thing between the generational gaps of like you know here here you have the old school man's man the John Wayne mm-hmm. era right versus sort of your newer more like like, feminized man. So,
1: I, I think that the um, more emotional, empathetic ones actually do better getting through the war emotionally, because mm-hmm. it's the same as, like... Um, Your muscles in a car crash. Mm -hmm. That like if you if you tense up and block everything, like mm -hmm. you're trying to block things, but you tense up, the reverberations (laughs) actually causes more damage. I
0: I think you're right, and I think that's like the thesis of the direction of those two groups. Because I'm again without knowing much about Oliver Stone's time in vietnam which again he said that he wrote this after his time in vietnam which means that some of it is probably autobiographical in nature i'm sure, one would presume I'm sure he i'm sure he views himself as charlie
1: i mean i can't imagine that he views himself as bunny
0: right so
1: who by the way is the psychotic one who is wearing a scalp on the back of his helmet <laughs> yeah.
0: um I, so I, without knowing what happened there i don't know whether this is like him also confessing to murdering a sergeant.
1: I mean, I uh, feel like there'd be information about him having been court-martialed at some point.
0: Only if you could figure that out. Friendly fire happens a lot.
1: Yeah, true. Um, and I mean, if everyone in that camp was deaded, no by one the would know.
0: No one would know. Um, they'd be were, like,
1: "This was just this was just your fantasy, right? Like you you would have killed him. Were he not right. already dead? Uh, but presumably,
0: this is a mixture of his experiences, also." Conversations he had with other people, characters—you know—it's probably fic- very fictionalized, right? Yeah. Though I would imagine probably that the beginning with him being a fucking new guy and that experience getting out of the helicopter, I—I I thoroughly believe is a hundred percent exactly what it was because it just seems too damn real. Mm-hmm. It comes from too much of a place of reality. Okay, um, but but like I could also see Oliver Stone trying to make this argument of, like, here's these people that are, like, emotionally falling apart because maybe they're too empathetic. Mm-hmm. But then in the end, that's really the thing that makes them more resilient to this. That they're, like, holding on to that. Because, like, like really, when you look at it, like, a lot of them make it out alright. But the ones that were the hardened ones, most of that's platoon, or most of that, that squad died.
1: Yeah, they died. But I meant... Except for one. Yeah, but I meant in like a, um, emotional-wise, like, you know, like, people with PTSD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, you're 100%. I guess during that time it's PTSS. Yeah. But, like, It's shell-shock still, actually. Shell-shock. Yeah. Uh, but, like, people who are fully tense mm -hmm. at the moment of impact, like, the reverberations do more damage. Yep. And, like, so, being a super macho closing yourself off to mm-hmm. what's going on is going to cause so many more problems. Totally.
0: No, yeah, absolutely.
1: After the fact than being fully cognizant while you're doing it that like I don't like doing this mm-hmm. but sometimes needs must. Yeah. You know. Um, unrelated to that whole thing
0: <laughs> me over analyzing films you're, sorry no, no, you
1: can analyze analyzing I, 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 uh, like i said i'm sure there's a class in college somewhere about someone's um, looking at something
0: like that I mean, L- I,
1: lgbtq there's more letters so you're saying you you, you, do, you don't
0: necessarily see a uh a I, with, and specifically willem dafoe and
1: well no no because that's just mr dafoe He's just a slightly so, erotic psychotic man. Suck this
0: shotgun! And I'm going to yep. blow into it.
1: Well, I mean, that was he. He could have shotgunned him a different. Like, there, I
0: can't remember the name of it now. There was also like a um, an old Parisian like art film. Like,
1: by the way, like that's that's what that's called. Like, if one person is smoking and then gives the smoke to someone else, it, it's called being shotgunned. Yeah. So him using an actual shotgun to do it is actually less sexual. So. I don't
0: know about that.
1: No, no, no. Like, the...
0: Well, yes, blowing I, in. Yeah, like, if else.
1: I took a breath of pot mm-hmm. and then leaned in, like, my face an inch from yours... That's so square. And exhaled, Let me take a breath of pot. ...and exhaled straight mm. into your nose. Like, that is, like, shotgunning yeah. the Let me imbibe, drugs at you.
0: imbibe <laughs> this marijuana. Imbibe
1: this marijuana. Like, that Excuse
0: is... Excuse me, officer. Ex- <laughs>
1: But is is that not that is shotgunning, right? Yes. And like, so him using an actual shotgun to do Uh, it is actually less sexual.
0: I'm gonna say someone sticking a phallic tube at your face and. And then blowing into it after saying "put this on your in your mouth," put
1: this in your mouth Uh, while Um,
0: while grinning is a little bit more sexual.
1: Was the handle attached when he said "put this in your mouth"? Like it was a live gun, and then he disconnected the gun to blow into the barrel. It
0: it, it was a it was a M thirty seven, so it has a slide chamber. The slide chamber was in an open lock position where the the ejection would go. So he just breathed into basically where the shell would eject out. Uh-huh. And then you know, a, a, it's just an open tube. This sounds unsafe,
1: is all I'm it saying. It
0: is super unsafe. Were there bullets in it? Well, there could be, but like it, uh, there wasn't a one chambered. So sure. Yeah, well, yes, there, the, the smoke wouldn't be able to go through it because oh, having opened up the slide. Yeah, here's your here's your gun gun minute. <laughs> no, we
1: don't need a gun minute. <laughs> if you need um, to know
0: how a shotgun
1: works. So other IMDb trivia. Yes, let's that go to the, f- the movie was filmed mm-hmm. very nearly sequentially. As soon as their characters were killed in the movie, mm-hmm. the actors were returned home. Right. Nice. So the emotion that Charlie Sheen shows in that closing helicopter scene <laughs> was largely real, knowing that he was finally going home. Oh
0: was he where did they actually film in Vietnam?
1: Uh no. Um, I wanna say it was Cambodia. That's, it was uh, the same place that Apocalypse Now it's be, was. It's literally
0: identical. Found.
1: It's a different country, technically.
0: Barely. Um, Cambodia is literally right next door. Okay. But yeah, so it was essentially as close as you could get comfortably. Yeah. Um, and deal with you know, though I mean you can um, well I don't know I don't know what the politics of Vietnam at the time of filming was, but yeah Cambodia Laos those kind of countries would be they're literally neighbors to it, so yeah. it, it's essentially identical in terms of region.
1: Um, and then the other thing I. Because I read this fact before I saw it, I meant to look for it, and I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So after Sheen kills Mm -hmm. right, and the other platoon is arriving looking for survivors, he's kind of like sitting on a crate, just like staring into space.
0: Surrounded by dead Viet Cong. Surrounded
1: by dead Viet Cong, and dead American soldiers too, right? Um, An incoming person asks if he's okay... And according to the IMDb trivia, as he's asking it, Sheen quickly drops a grenade. And it says the script hadn't called for it, but Sheen thought that his character would have been suicidal at that point in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Oliver Stone liked it, so he kept it in the movie. Which is why I was like, I, I'm i kind of upset I didn't see it, because yeah. that does sound like a good, like, he's just standing there, sitting there holding yeah. the grenade, just, like, thinking about it. Right. Well As he also just not only did come. he just like, survive hell
0: he just murdered a man. So it's like he's at the lowest point but he was could it be.
1: Technically in cold blood.
0: Um well <laughs> kinda.
1: Nah, that man that man more than deserved it. He was asking for it. He
0: was I mean, he did literally ask for it.
1: He literally asked for it.
0: Um okay, so this film Where's it on your list?
1: Okay, so um, you, you people probably don't remember what my list looks like at the moment, but so here's what it is. At the moment, my bottom six, mm-hmm. the highest of my bottom six mm-hmm. is Sophie's Choice. Right. And the lowest of my top eight is Swing Time. And this, this is such goes, a confusing
0: way to do this. And this
1: goes somewhere in the middle.
0: Uh-huh. Okay.
1: So I'm going to put it on the bottom.
0: Bottom uh, Bottom list.
1: On the bottom list. Okay. So uh, that puts it at number 94 okay. on the bottom. If anybody still cares, I'm just going to say my bottom three and my top three. My bottom three are The Last Picture Show is the absolute worst. Uh-huh. French Connection was a little bit better. Uh-huh. Do the Right Thing was a little bit better. Okay. My top three are 12 Angry Men is the best. Mm-hmm. Six Sense, pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Okay. It's up
0: there. And then Platoon is somewhere floating in the bottom of the middle.
1: Yeah. it's in, Well, it's in the bottom of the middle, but I can't do a top, middle, and bottom. Right. So it's just at the top of the bottom.
0: We'll see where it places. But you're, you would say it probably would sit somewhere within the lower half of the list when it's done.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my guess- So like, kind of
0: where it's set yeah, now. Yeah,
1: as I'm putting them at yeah. the top and the bottom, it's because I figure as I watch more movies and I try and It'll decide where in to put there. them- Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will either get moved up a little where I'm like, I don't really like this, but I did like Platoon more than this. Right. <laughs> or like like that kind of thing. Like I said, like I, I, I did not adore Platoon, mm-hmm. but it was better than Sophie's Choice.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um,
1: so is, it, is yours, is it actually in like a, a middling spot? I,
0: I have a, a list of 1 to 14. Uh huh. And then one skipping all the way down to 100.
1: A, a okay. So where is it on your list now? Um,
0: currently, it has um, bumped six cents out of top five. No. Um, and it is firmly at number five on my list, With <gasps> which is for a reminder from a top five is number one is 12 angry men Yes, yeah, the best number two is blade runner huh. number three is pulp fiction that's pretty good number four is goodfellas and number five is now platoon um i don't think it's going to last in the top five but i am filling them in as it goes yeah, so yeah. so like this could end up being number 70 you know, for all I know. Well, yeah,
1: because you're. Um, you're cause being I'm really good fl- about your list. I'm,
0: I'm literally filling it in as we go, uh, so and things can pop in and out. You know, um, I I expect this to probably sit up in the the upper fifty, okay. like fifty somewhere within one through fifty. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it's gonna last for me at five. There's, I, I am a person that likes war stories, and I thought this was really good. Um I mean, everything on this list, for the most part, is really that. good. Um, there are ones that I would not say are the 100 films for, to watch in a century. At all. Last Picture Show. So Do the right sad. thing. Even though I can defend it, I would not say it should be on here. But I think this has a place somewhere on the list. I, I think it's, it's really strong. It's directing is good. And it's Everything about it is very, very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really... Thrived with such amazing performances from people, Um, and uh, and obviously just very iconic sequences and settings, and stuff like that. You know, like yeah, um, and and it's it's really like the 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 idea of like the gritty military movie really started in Saving Private Ryan, which we'll we'll be getting to on this list, which you apparently haven't seen. It makes me really excited to see it. I think I haven't seen. I think that's gonna be the movie. That you're like, okay, this is a war movie I actually like, because, like, it doesn't actually have that much of war in it, mm-hmm. but it's really about the characters. Okay. Um, the war elements are very gritty and realistically done. And you think I'm gonna like that? Well, it's not about that. It's about the the journey of this group of people.
1: Cause, cause I don't know if you know this. Mm-hmm. It looks like Mash is on the AFI's top 100. Yeah. And I enjoyed that TV show. <laughs> is the movie also a comedy? Yes. Okay, then that's that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to like MASH. That's going to be the um, war movie it's, that...
0: <laughs> it's a lot darker, though. It's like oh. a very, like, Catch-22 no. dark comedy.
1: Okay, maybe it won't be the war movie that I like. You'll,
0: you'll see. It's and not... Then,
1: and then my next question is completely not mm-hmm. great. Is uh, is Dustin Hoffman dressed as a woman in Tootsie to dodge the draft? Because could that make that a war movie?
0: <laughs> um, I don't remember why he's in a dress to Tootsie. We'll have to figure it out. So what, our next movie is um, – oh, I was saying I, I think – I'm going to be excited to see you to see Sam and Pratt, Ryan. But, like, this movie actually kind of did the gritty, realistic war movie. Like, and not a lot of it is very – like bombastic in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of the sequences are actually really rel- realistically done. I think, especially for its time.
1: You're right. Saving Saving Private Ryan is actually not that far away.
0: Not that far away.
1: Uh, well, okay. I say that because it's in the upper f- or lower fifty. Yeah, it, it is. It's like seventy something. Seventy one.
0: Yeah. So the next movie we have is uh, a comedy. Does that make you excited? Y-
1: yeah, uh, no, because it's got the Marxes. It is in 1935
0: it. movie from the Marx Brothers, um, A Night at the Opera.
1: I've never actually seen a Marx Brothers movie. I don't think I've ever seen a Marx Brothers movie. I've seen I, think a, I think I've seen Groucho in Things. Um,
0: I've seen Groucho in a thing, I think. Um, I've definitely seen like a Charlie Chaplin movie. I've seen several. Um, so I don't know about Marx movies. Are they silent? I don't think they're silent. Because no, I think they are past that. Like some, char- a lot of Charlie Chaplin movies were silent. Uh, but yeah. this has all three Marx brothers in it.
1: That, that yeah. is what I gather. Um, and then after that is another one I've never seen before: Easy Rider from 1969. Uh, is the one with Dustin Hoffman in it? Uh, no. Apparently, it's Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper.
0: That's what I meant. No, I'm sorry, not um, Dustin Hoffman. Um, I've never seen it. I know of it, but so, okay. So we got
1: it. and then we got Titanic. You're going to have a horrible evening I, a couple you know, weeks from
0: now. Okay, we'll talk about Titanic when we get to it, but I don't hate Titanic. I don't hate Titanic.
1: I don't believe you. But we
0: will experience and we'll find it. Maybe it'll be on number one in spite of you. Um, but we have a palate cleanser next week with Night of the Opera, which be fun to watch. Um, it's, a, it's a good change of pace, I think, for us. Um, so we will sure. see you guys then. Thank you for joining us once again for another film buffing up. We'll see you next week.
1: Peace. I mean, you know, not literally. i going to
0: literally do that joke every time.
1: One day, someone will laugh.
0: One day, someone will know what you're referencing.
1: Shut up. Everyone knows what I'm uh-huh.
0: referencing. All right, see you guys.